Leviticus chapter 4, this is the sin offering. The Bible says this, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. Say, a sin offering. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. If a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or a carcass of unclean cattle, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Uh, basically, this is the, uh, the transgression offering. Go to chapter 6 and verse 25. The law concerning the sin offering is given in chapter 6 and verse 25. Speak unto Aaron and to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest that offereth it for sin shall eat it in the holy place, shall it be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of the congregation. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy, and when there is sprinkled of the blood thereof upon any garment, thou shalt wash that whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken, and if it be sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests shall eat thereof. It is most holy." And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation to reconcile with all in the holy place shall be eaten, but, but uh, shall be burnt in fire. Chapter 7, verse 1. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. He shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the inwards, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on the arm, which is by the flanks, and the caul that is above the liver with the kidneys, it shall be taken away. The priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every meal among the priests shall eat thereof. It shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them. The priest that maketh atonement therewith shall have it. And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. And all the meat offering, or the, that would be the cereal offering that we talked about last week, that is baked in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan, and in the pan or the plate, shall be the priest that offereth it. Every meat offering mingled with oil and dry shall all the sons of Aaron have one as much as another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for these sacrifices. We thank you for your precious blood, dear Lord. We ask God that you speak to our hearts today, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, God, for your sacrifice. Lord, we praise you, God. We come before you today in need of cleansing, in need of forgiveness, God. We know that you have provided that, Lord, for us by your death on the cross. And we thank you that you're alive today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last uh, Sunday we talked about sweet, savor offerings. These are offerings that you would bring. We talked about three of them that you would bring before the Lord while you were in fellowship with God. Let's say in fellowship. Those three offerings were totally voluntary. The burnt sacrifice uh, showed that they were a committed person. They were dedicated to the will of God. So they brought this burnt sacrifice, this, this uh, offering unto God, showing their commitment, showing their dedication. It is a picture of the life of Jesus Christ in His total, absolute commitment and dedication to the will of the Father. Amen? We talked also about the cereal offering there. The cereal offering was a present unto God. It was just because you loved the Lord, you wanted to worship Him with a present, you gave a cereal offering unto God. Again, it talked about the life of the Lord. It was a bloodless sacrifice. So the focus was on His death. The focus was on His life. We talked about how that it pictured him in a perfect life that he had as a man uh, uh, indwelt by the Spirit of God. Then we talked about the, uh, the peace offerings. The peace offerings had to do with just coming before the Lord because you loved Him and you wanted to worship Him. You lifted Him up before God. You praised Him. You worshiped Him. You offered these peace offerings unto the Lord for thankfulness for something He did for you. Or if you entered into a vow, you made a promise to God that if He'd do something for you, you would do something for Him. Then you brought a peace offering for that reason. Number three reason for the peace offering is simply because you loved Him, you brought an offering unto God. But those three were in fellowship, not for fellowship. Because you were in fellowship, you brought these voluntarily unto the Lord. But today, we're going to look at the sin offering and the trespass offering. These are non-sweet offerings, non-sweet savor offerings, which means this. God, when, he, when God judges something, uh, God does not enjoy judging. How many of y'all believe that? He does not in, enjoy judging, and these are judgments upon sin. In fact, Isaiah says that the judgment of God is his strange work. It's a strange word for God to unleash His wrath and to unleash His judgment because He's a good God, He's a merciful God, He's a gracious God. But uh, these sacrifices here are non-sweet savor because He doesn't enjoy judgment upon sin. Now, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, how many of y'all believe that the Father just enjoyed pouring out His wrath upon the, the flesh, the Son of God? He did not enjoy doing that, but Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. Therefore, the judgment for sin was laid upon Him. So that's why they're called non-sweet savor offerings. It is to get in fellowship. Say, in fellowship. To get in fellowship. Now, why didn't God list these two first, the sin offering and the trespass offering first? Because they were already in fellowship with Him. The blood of the Lamb had already been shed uh, in Egypt. They had applied the blood over their households, so they walked out a redeemed people by the blood of the Lamb. So he begins to talk to them about what they were to bring as an offering unto God because they were in fellowship with the Lord. How many of y'all were here last week? Over half of you. Well, 
If you weren't here, you might want to get the message from last week and learn about those other offerings. Today, we're going to be dealing with offerings that were to bring you in fellowship, and they are listed after those offerings because the Lord is already seeing these people as a people who are in a relationship with Him. But if you get out of fellowship with the Lord, this is what you do if you get out of fellowship with God, to get reconciled back to the Lord. Now look at chapter 4 with me, if you would, and we'll just talk a little bit about these offerings because they all point to Jesus Christ. Read Hebrews 9, 10, and 11 in your spare time, and you will see that the Lord fulfilled every one of these sacrifices. This is the sin offering. Non-sweet savor, if you need to get back in fellowship with God. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul sin through ignorance, say ignorance, against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning uh, things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them. So this is sin offering, but it is a sin offering for things that are done in ignorance. That, that means this, if you sin against the Lord carelessly, or you didn't consider what you were doing before you did it, and you did it anyway, and then after you did it, you recognize, hey, that's a sin against God. Well, that was a careless sin. You didn't consider the sin. You did it in ignorance. Maybe you didn't know that the Word of God condemned it, and you did it, and then later you found out that you had sinned against the Lord. So you brought a sin offering to God for sins of ignorance, things done in weakness, things done in carelessness. But this, there was no sin offering and no forgiveness for high-handed sin against God. That means this, that if you knew what you were doing, you knew that this was a sin against the Word of God, and you defiantly did it anyway. You said, God, I know it's sin, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you did it in rebellion against His Word and against Him. There was absolutely no offering that you could bring. There was no forgiveness for you. Serious stuff. Are you here? Now, there were some sins, as, as we talked about it, some sins in the Old Testament that you could not get forgiveness for. If you were a rebellious son, and we would wipe out a whole generation of people if in America we follow the law of God. Because if you were a rebellious son, you know what they did? You couldn't bring a sin offering to the Lord to get forgiveness. If you were a son and you talked uh, disrespectful to your parents, they would go to the council. And they would tell the council, the leadership, the priests, and so on, my son has rebelled against me. He's risen up against me. He is um, speaking disrespectful to me. And because of that, they would take him immediately outside of the camp and put, a, put him underneath a pile of rocks. Are you here? Well, that would be pretty, pretty tough, wouldn't it? That's why Israel didn't have the problem we've got today. Because if America did what Israel did, you would have a lot, left, lot less problems than you do today in the teenage group. Because if they, if they spoke against the parents, they just, they killed them. They stoned them. And re, you know why? Because they were rebelling against their parents. And they were rebelling against the authority that God had set over them. And so in rebelling against the parents, they are rebelling against the God who's put the parents in authority. 
And God said, I, am not, I will not tolerate rebellion in Israel. I am in the midst of my people. I dwell in the midst of them. And I will not and cannot tolerate sin and rebellion because I'm in the camp. All right? Now, what is rebellion? The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It is the sin of witchcraft. So that when these children are rising up against their parents, they're rebelling against them, they're disrespectful to their parents, God said, take them out and stone them because they have the sin of witchcraft working within them. And I will not tolerate rebellion or witchcraft in my camp. There is no sin offering that they can bring. They deserve the death penalty. Oh, think about that. Another thing in the Word of God that could not be atoned for or a, a sacrifice uh, could not be brought for that sin was murder. Now remember in the Psalm, Psalm 51 when David committed murder against uh, Uriah. Well, he said, well, this, he said, God, if you required sacrifice, I would bring it. But he said, God, you did not require sacrifice, so I couldn't bring it. There was no sacrifice, Psalm 51. David recognized no sacrifice that he could bring for his sin, the sin of murder. And another sin that could not be atoned for in the Old Testament was adultery. There was absolutely no sin offering that you could bring if you committed adultery in the camp of Israel. Again, they, and David, in the same psalm, he says, I would have brought a sacrifice for my murder. I would have brought a sacrifice for my adultery. But there was none, God, that you required. There's nothing that I could bring. David deserved to die. He deserved to be stoned to death because of murder. He deserved to be stoned to death because of his adultery. So what did he do? He went to the loving kindness of God. He went around the sacrifices because there was none that he could offer. And he looked to the loving kindness and the mercy of God and received from get forgiveness for his sin direct to the Lord, from the Lord. Somebody say amen. So these were serious things. If you committed those things, you, they were serious. I mean, you couldn't bring those sacrifices. There was no forgiveness. You had to go direct to God. You had to confess that sin and just pray that he would have mercy on you. Are you here? That's in the Old Testament law. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Boy, everybody's somber this morning. Y'all fighting battles? <laughs> God will give you the victory if you are. Acts 13, look at verse 39. This is what Paul says. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Which means that under the covenant of law, those sins that you could not bring a sacrifice for, you could not be justified for, only Jesus Christ in his sacrifice could forgive those. See, he's greater than the Old Testament sacrifices. In the Old Testament, David deserved to be stoned. In the Old Testament, rebellious son deserved to be stoned. But in the New Testament, Jesus Christ has come and he forgives those sins which could not be atoned for under the law. You need to thank God. We need to thank God. We live under grace. 
and that Jesus Christ has already come and died on the cross because there'd be a lot of people that are, would be dead today. Because God was in the center of the camp and he required this to take place. Are you here? Now, look with me if you would. The Bible says, and I'm not going to go through all the different sacrifices here, but if you brought a sin offering, it depended on your position. If you were the high priest of Israel, you had to bring a bullock, a young male bullock. And you offered that to God. And if the whole congregation sinned against the Lord, you brought the same offering that a priest would bring unto the Lord if he sinned, which was a bullock. Which means this, that depending on your position uh, determined how grave or terrible the sin was. If you were the high priest, you had a high position in the kingdom of God. And if you sinned, it took a very expensive offering to cover your sin. Okay, by the way, all these uh, sin offerings could not take away sin. They just covered them anyway. But if you were a high priest, so uh, say if you were a common person, you wouldn't have to bring a bullock. You could bring a, a she-goat or a she-lamb to do that to cover your sin. But a high priest, if he sinned, he's in such a high position, he's got to bring a very costly uh, sacrifice to get that sin covered and atoned for. In fact, all the people of Israel could sin against God and bring the same sacrifice that the high priest brought because his sin in the eyes of God was just as bad as if the whole people did. That means when a preacher sins against God, in the eyes of God, his sin is looked at a little bit different than the, uh, the, the, the sin of the other person, the, net, the person that's in the congregation. They have a higher accountability with God, and they have a, a higher uh, responsibility to God. And that's why James says, don't be many teachers among you, don't, knowing that you shall receive the greater judgment. I will receive a greater judgment than any person sitting in this pew from the Lord. And James warns you, he says, don't be so quick to jump into that position of leadership and to be a teacher among the people of God because you will receive a stronger and greater and heavier judgment. And we see that here in the Old Testament where this priest had to bring a sacrifice that was equal to all the, the whole congregation in their sin. Okay? And it went on down. There were, and these sin offerings were uh, different levels. There was a bullock. There was a uh, he-goat, a she-goat, a she-lamb. Uh, turtle doves and pigeons and also if you were very very poor you could bring a grain offering as a sin offering it depended on your position and it depended on your your wealth okay as to what kind of sacrifice you brought for a sin offering to reconcile you back to God to get you into a relationship with him now the Bible says that this this sacrifice is to be slain and certain portions of the sacrifice are taken and they are put out. They're on the altar and they are burnt. The rest of the body of the carcass of the animal is taken outside of the camp. It's burned on the outside of the camp, the fiery, like the fiery wrath and judgment of God upon it, but it's outside the camp. So part of it on the altar in the camp, part of it outside the altar, uh, uh, outside the camp, in fact. So let's look at that and let's see what that is teaching us. The Bible tells us, if you would look with me at verse 8, He shall take off from it all the fat of the bullock for the sin offering, for the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. 
the two kidneys, the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall be taken away. Okay? It is taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering. And then it talks about the skin, the flesh, its head, its legs, its inwards, his dung. Even the whole bullock shall carry forth without the camp to a clean place. And there it is to be burned. Now why does God have a, the inward parts of the, the bullock or the sacrifice offered on the altar and then have the outward portions of it inserted like the head and etc. that we read to you taken outside the camp and put in a clean place and they're burned? Because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was first to God. Are you here? The inward, the best went to God. Okay, that's the principle. The inward, in the inward portions were the best of the animal. So that the best was offered to God. So Jesus Christ, when he's hanging on the cross, he is dying as a man for God first. And then number two, for us. The best goes to God, and the rest of it is taken outside the camp and burned in a clean place. And that is a place of reproach. So that when Jesus died, he died for God, all right? That means that God can look at us and forgive our sins. And then he went out, and he took that, that priest went out there and burned those that thing in a clean place, which was a place of reproach, so that not only did he die for God, but he died for my reproach. He died for my filthiness. He died for my sin. He died for my uncleanness outside the camp. You've got lepers. You've got all kinds of uncleanness outside of the camp. So outside of the camp, which is the reproach, the Bible says in Hebrews, he went outside the camp bearing our reproach. So it's a picture of him dying for us and bearing our reproach so that we can be clean and we can walk with the Lord in fellowship with God. But he died first as a man for God, then for us, number two, as people. Now, if you back up, let's see what he did with the blood. He took the blood. Say the blood. Took the blood of this sin offering, and the Bible says he sprinkled it seven times before the veil of the sanctuary. Now, sin separated us from God. So we need a sin offering that will let us come back into fellowship with God and approach Him. Something that will cover or take away our sin. The Old Testament, it was a covering. In the New Testament, it's a taking away of our sin. The Bible says the blood is taken and sprinkled on the veil seven times. And the reason why that is is because your sin has separated you from God. It has broken fellowship. It breaks fellowship with God. Now listen to me. This is also talking about people who had been redeemed by blood, who were in fellowship with God, okay, first, second, and third chapter, and those sacrifices. Do you follow me? They were in fellowship with God, but they sinned against the Lord, and they had to bring a sin offering, and they had to confess their sin and get their fellowship restored. So that once you and I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and we become born-again believers, if we sin, we have to, we, we break a fellowship with God. We break our fellowship with God. It's not unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always stuff. That don't work. If you sin against God, even after being redeemed, you've got to confess it. You've got to get right with God. Because your sin has broken your fellowship. 
So now, he walks in and he sprinkles it seven times on the veil. Why? Because the veil is a picture of our separation from God. And the, the Holy One is behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. So that now when the blood is sprinkled upon that curtain, my fellowship with the one behind the veil has been restored. So now I've got a relationship with him. I can talk to him. He talks to me. I'm a child of God. I'm walking in that salvation experience because the blood has been applied to the separation of my life. That's why he sprinkled it on the veil. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, Hebrews tells us that his flesh was the veil. And the Bible says when he died, the veil of the temple was rent. But the Bible clearly tells us that his flesh was rent when he died for us which does what for us? It allows us to walk into the very throne room of God, God himself, and have a relationship with him. And he with us, because the blood has been applied to the veil. The separation has been ripped apart so that now I can go in there boldly in the throne of grace because of what Jesus has done. But not only that, the Bible says, I'll read it to you, about the altar of incense. It says, take the blood... In verse 7, the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of congregation. All right, so now not only was the veil sprinkled, but the altar of incense. You can see it up here on this chart right here, okay? Here's the veil right here, sprinkled on there. Here's the altar of incense just in front of this veil, and behind it the Holy of Holies where the throne of God was, where the presence of the Lord was. So the high priest was told to take and sprinkle blood on the altar of incense. Why? Because whenever I sin against the Lord, it affects my worship. It not only affects my relationship and my fellowship, it affects my worship. And that's why a lot of times we have a hard time worshiping the Lord because there is something in our lives that we know is not right. There is sin in our lives and we know it's not right. And because of that, I don't care how powerful the preacher is or how powerful the song leader is or how powerful the worship leader is, you cannot move people into worship until they get the sin problem taken care of. And when they get the sin problem taken care of, that'll uh, take that effect of sin away from them. And then they can walk into the house of God free as a bird and lift their hands and worship God without guilt and without condemnation, without any fear. But you've got to get the sin under the blood. And that's why a lot of times when the church begins to worship God and begins to praise God, people will run out those doors half scared to death. They say, well, I don't like that kind of worship. You know why? Because the power of God was moving in that place. And they've got sin in their lives. And they're under conviction heavy conviction by the Spirit of God. And until they get the sin under the blood, they're not going to be able to join you in your worship. So you got to get your fellowship restored. You've got to get the effects of sin upon your worship under the blood so that you can come in this place and say, I know the Lord and the Lord knows me. 
and I'm free to praise him. I'm free to worship him. I'm free to magnify him because the blood has been shed and that which affected my worship and that which affected my fellowship which was sin is under the blood is taken care of. Thanks be to God. I walk into the very presence of the Lord. And not only do I walk in his presence, but his presence has made this body the temple of the Holy Ghost. So that the Spirit of God himself lives on the inside of my body. So as I begin to worship God, I begin to feel a witness in my spirit that the Spirit of the Holy One is on the inside of me. But you can grieve the Spirit of God. If you sin against Him, or if you try to hold back the Spirit of God, you try to suppress it, you can grieve the Spirit of God because God is a God of love. And you can only grieve love. And even though you might be born of the Spirit, when you sin against God, it's going to affect your fellowship. It's going to affect your relationship. It's going to affect your worship. And something you're going to feel on the inside of you dies because the wages of sin is death. And when you sin, something dies on the inside of you. But thanks be to God, you could walk back in the house of the Lord or at your home and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I have sinned against you, Lord. I feel a separation from you. I feel like you're a long ways away from me, God. I need to come back into your presence, Lord. But there's something that has separated me from your love and your fellowship so that I can't worship you like I want to. So Jesus says, the blood's already been applied in the heavenly tabernacle. So that now you can walk in the presence of God himself if you've got sin and ask for forgiveness. And listen to me, Jesus is able to forgive now what couldn't be forgiven then. But remember this. When you brought the sacrifice then and when you come now, you've got to confess your sins. You've got to repent. You couldn't have just brought a sacrifice, said, here's my sacrifice, and leave and not confess, and leave and not repent. You've got to confess the sin. You've got to get right. You've got to repent and say, I'm not going to do it anymore, God. Genuine repentance isn't going to an altar crying and saying, Lord, forgive me for the consequences. Genuine repentance is saying, God, forgive me. I did wrong to you. I'm not coming here today to ask you to forgive me because I'm bearing consequences. I'm coming today, Lord, to ask you to forgive me because I have broken your law. I have broken my fellowship. I don't have a proper relationship with you, God. Please forgive me because I want a relationship with you, Lord. See, if you come to the house of God and you say, oh God, please forgive me because you got to go to jail for a year because of something you did. And you come to, to, to the house of God and say, God, forgive me because you don't want to go to jail. That's not true repentance. Because if they let you out of jail and you didn't have to go to jail, you might go do the same thing next week. Are you here? But genuine, true repentance and confession is this. God, I'm sorry it broke a relationship with you. Forgive me for that, Lord. I, by your grace and by your help, I will not do it. I genuinely repent. I genuinely confess. It's not superficial. It's not surface just to get me out of a problem. I want to know you, Lord. 
and the sacrifice, sin offering, was taken by the offerer and killed by the person. So you wouldn't have liked living in that dispensation. Are you here? Because we like uh, easy Christianity. We like easy believism. We like, uh, like Amos says, woe to them that are in Zion. Woe to, the, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. See, we like that in America. We like easy Christianity. We like easy believism. When it's convenient for us, we live for the Lord. You wouldn't have liked it then because you had to take a sin offering and you had to kill it and you had to cut it up and fillet it and you had to do all the work. You wouldn't have liked that, would you? How many of y'all believe the kingdom of God is still work? All right, I'm talking to you, man. American Christianity is not the Christianity of the Bible. I want the Bible Christianity. I want to do it God's way. I want to be holy. I want to live the way God tells me to live. I want to serve in the way I, He tells me to serve. And if I break a relationship, I want to pray until I get it right. And we nearly, really need to change when we, when we do it. It's not just merely confess it to the Lord. God's saying change some things. You got to change. Listen, if I don't change, you know, people say, well, something happened to me and I'm saved. And I look at their lives and I can't tell anything's changed. And if you can't see that there's any change, there's probably no change at all. See, God requires genuine repentance and real change and a real life of sacrifice of living for Him. And if you sin, then you get it right with God. And sometimes it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some killing of the bull, man. Some of y'all need to kill some of the bull you hang around with. You carry a lot of bull with you. You need to kill it. You need to kill that sin. You need to take care of it. You need to change. And if it keeps popping up in your life, you need to cut its head off. You need to kill that bull. You know, there's a lot of people say, well, that's a lot of bull. I wonder where they got that. <laughs> there's a lot of people who carry a lot of bull around with them. They need to kill it. They need to take it to God and put it in the blood and change their lives. And quit condoning that which God calls sin. Because if you keep condoning that which is called sin, it's going to end you up in a place you don't want to go. And the fire of God came upon the sacrifice so that the person wouldn't have to endure the fire of God. Somebody say Amen. Praise the Lord. So that it was to get you back into a relationship with God him, Himself. All right, now go with me to the trespass offering. And this is chapter 5. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. God is an awesome God. He's a gracious God. He provided a way for which the people could approach Him in their sin. But it had to be bloodshed. It had to be death. didn't smell good. Hallelujah. Come on, you know, a lot of people don't want to go to the church. They don't want to go to the tabernacle. Because they when to get to the tabernacle, you know what happens? They see death. They see the slain and killing of animals. They smell the puritance thereof, which is the inwards of the animal. It stinks. I'm here to tell you something, friend. You need to get to the house of God. And there's a lot of stinking stuff that goes on in the house of God. But that stinking stuff needs to get put under the blood of Jesus Christ and needs to get taken care of. 
Don't stop going to the church of the living God because you don't like the way it smells. I know, I know, I know how it smells sometimes. And that's why God's called me to preach to us so we can get rid of that stuff. Are you with me today? Thank you, Jesus. Now, Leviticus 5, the trespass offering, is a little bit different than the sin offering. It is for reconciliation. It is for fellowship. And I'm going to bring this all together at the end. But it is for the damage of sin more than the actual sin itself. Okay? And it has to do not only with your, uh, the damage that sin brings to God, but it also affects, how many of you know when a person sins, they not only affect God and themselves, but they affect somebody else with them. And so now the trespass offering is for the acts of sin. All right? And the damages of sin, trespasses. And in this sacrifice, not only did you bring a sacrifice and kill it to cover your sin, but the trespass offering was also joined with uh, uh, restitution. Uh-oh. Somebody say amen. Some people say, well, I got right with God, but they didn't get right with people. No, God says you got to get right with God, and you got to get right with people too. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's the trespass offering. All right? The damage of sin. Now, let's look at a few things here. If you'll flip over to verse 14 of chapter 5, here's what it says. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord. Now, again, what does it say? Again, through ignorance. All right? Somebody say, praise the Lord. Somebody say, sins through ignorance. I've got to help you understand that, okay? You can read Numbers 15, 30. Let's do that right quick so we'll be clear on this. Numbers 15. Numbers 15. Let's start, I believe it's about verse 30, 31. <clears throat> Verse 30. Look at what happens in the Old Testament if you sin in rebellion and known sin against God. The Bible says, But the soul that doth ought presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. There is no forgiveness of sin. You cut that person off. You send him out of the camp. Well, that's Old Testament. The Bible says in Corinthians there was a man in the church that wouldn't repent. And Paul said, put him out of the camp. God's in the house. You've got to take care of sin in the house. If the person won't repent of the sin, then what is happening, listen to me, it is bringing a reproach on the whole body. It's bringing a defeat upon the whole body. When you and I sin, we don't just sin between us and God. You affect a whole body of people. And God says if you won't confess it, you won't repent, you won't get right, cut off from the people. That's New Testament. Most churches won't practice it because they're, they're afraid they're going to lose money out of their pockets or whatever. But the Word of God tells us how to do it and how to live. If a person will repent, 
and confess and get right with God, they'll be received into the fellowship. But if they refuse to repent and get right with God, and they're affecting the body and causing defeat in the body, they are to be cast out of the body. I understand. They'll just go somewhere else. But at least our house is clean. <laughs> But prayerfully and hopefully the person comes and truly repents and confesses and said, I did wrong, I know I did wrong. God forgive me and get it under the blood and live for God and be victorious. That's what God wants. That's what we want. But if they won't do it, then we've got to do the other. We can't allow the sin of Achan to destroy the church. We can't allow people who despise the Word of God, who rebel against this Word and His commands to stay in the assembly because it's bringing defeat upon the people of the living God. So, you know, listen, listen, a lot of people say, well, man, that, that, that's pretty mean. Well, this Word of God. And we have to preach, listen to me, we have to preach the Word of God. It doesn't matter who we affect. It doesn't, who's sitting in the pew, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the pew or what they've done. We must always uphold the Word of God at all times. That means if they give the most in the offering plate in the church, if they sin, they don't give favoritism. They are judged according to the book. They are dealt with according to the Word. Because this is the sole authority right here, this book. Are you here? And it's not because we're trying to hurt people, we're trying to save them. We're trying to get people under conviction so they'll repent and get right with God. So they don't go to a devil's hell and be lost forever and ever and ever. And some people that get put out temporarily because they won't repent, they'll come back to church and say, oh man, I got out there in the world and the devil turned me over which way but loose. And they come running back to the church and genuinely repent and say, I don't want to go back out there again, man. I mean, God just lifted his hands of mercy off of me and the devil had a heyday with me. Listen, the devil can take you to pieces. If you don't stay under the covering of God and you don't stay in the kingdom of God and you don't stay in the church, the devil will take you to pieces. Just read 1 Corinthians 5 sometime. Read about the way God deals with sin. Unconfessed and unrepented sin in the body. Come on, somebody. Say amen. The Bible said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap what? Destruction. If you sow the Spirit, you shall have the Spirit. Reap life eternal. God isn't mocked. You didn't get away with anything. I didn't get away with anything. God is not mocked. And if I come and ask him to forgive, he freely forgives. He's a merciful, loving, gracious Heavenly Father. Based on the blood that he shed, he removes your sin. But if you don't get it under the blood, your sin still remains on you. And even though you've been forgiven for sin, doesn't mean that you don't have restitution. 
And it doesn't mean that you're not going to pay consequences for your sin. Are you here? David, you're forgiven, but there's some consequences. Somebody say hallelujah. With the trespass offering. Now, this is, this is awesome. Because David genuinely repented. Because he says, yes, that's right. I did wrong. I sinned. Okay, whatever I have to deal with, whatever consequences, I'm willing to do it because I'm truly, genuinely repented. And I'm willing to make restitution for what I've done. That's the sign of a genuine, repented person. When they take responsibility for their actions, when they take responsibility for their sins, then they genuinely repented. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But some of the trespass offering, let's look, let's look at some of the reasons for a trespass offering. Today, if you came to the church, the Bible says if you uh, committed a trespass, verse 15, through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord. Oh, okay. The holy things of the Lord. You can trespass against the holy things of the Lord. And then in chapter 6, we're going to look at the property. Tra How many of y'all ever trespass on somebody else's property? Brother Otto always does. He works for Federal Express. Thank God he's not shot yet. But you, you trespass on other people's property. That means you violate. Uh, they say, this is mine. You're not welcome here. And if you walk over there and you do or you take something that's not yours, you're trespassing. Same thing goes for God. You can trespass against God. Are you here? If you can rob a person, you can also rob God. And a lot of people won't rob people, but they'll rob God. So the first thing God deals with is this right here, a trespass against the Lord. He says, through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks, with thy estimation by shekels of silver, after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. Now, what is it talking about when it says the holy things of the Lord? Well, it has to do with the things that belong to God. Just as in chapter 6, we're going to see the things that belong to people. So what belongs to God? His tithes. His offerings. Those things that you made a promise to God. You made a vow to God that you would give Him certain things. If you did not give Him that vowed property, you transgressed against God. If you didn't pay your tithes 10% then, then you transgressed against God. If you didn't bring your offerings, you transgressed against God. You had to bring a sacrifice before the Lord and you had to offer that ram as a trespass offering unto God because you had sinned. Are you here? Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says people rob God all the time. In Israel, they rob God all the time. They would not pay their tithes and their offerings. They were robbing God. Listen to me. It's sad when people sit in the church and they'll rob God. What will they do to people out in the world? If you want to do it right in the house, what are you going to do outside of the house? Come on, somebody say amen. Get him. The Bible says you bring what you're supposed to give him with you. I mean, just don't bring the ram. Bring what's due. And not only that, bring an extra 20% with you. 
Oh. See, I don't have a problem preaching this message because I live by it. But brother, I just had to have my tithe to pay a bill. Well, go ahead and use it to pay your bill. But after you get through paying it next week, when you come back to church, bring that 10% plus another 20%. scary it's a lot easier to pay your 10% than to bring 30 but God said bring the sacrifice I'm going to read it to you so I don't think I'm making it up he said in verse 16 when he brings that offering for a sacrifice he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done that means do what's right are you here take care of what you've missed and then he says this and shall add the fifth part there too. That fifth part, one-fifth of 100% is 20%. So you got to add that to it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Some of y'all are just sitting back there all comfortable, nice and comfy. Everything's just wonderful. You know why? Because you obey the word of the Lord. You don't have a problem. But some of y'all that, that, don't, that don't obey the God and transgress against Him are shaking right now. Because you're sitting there trying to calculate what all you've, been, you've missed the last two years. How much have you not given the last two years or three years or ten years? <laughs> I mean, just, just add up your salary for the last. Go get your income tax report and find out how, you made, how much you made last year. And see how much tithe you paid on that. How much offerings you gave. Uh-oh. Won't you do that for ten years? And what you missed, come back and pay that plus 20% more. <laughs> Some of y'all are thinking, man, there's no way I can't calculate all that I've done, all that I've missed. Well, I'm going to help you. If you can't calculate it, all right, and you can't make restitution, confess it, get right with God, put it under the blood now and start doing what's right. If you haven't done it in the past, change, get right, repent, do it now. Are you here? But if you have the capability to make restitution, God says make restitution. It's not just a matter. Now, I got to thinking about that. But God, we're living in the grace dispensation. Well, by the way, the, the, the tithe was before the law was ever given. So that blows your theory about being under law. Tithe was paid by Jacob before law was ever given. Are you here? So you're not off the hook by that one. <laughs> Amen. And, and, you know, I got to think, well, Lord, we're under grace right now. Yeah, that's right. If you confess it, I'll forgive you. Uh, but, Lord, what about this other, this amending and this 20%? He said, I'm the ram, I'm the sacrifice. But you're still responsible for restitution. Are you here? You're still responsible for restitution. Uh-oh. Hallelujah. Are you, he's the sacrifice, right? But I want to help you just a little bit more here. He's more than what's needed. He's more than what's needed. When he died on the cross, he didn't just pay for what's needed. He went beyond that and took care of even beyond that which was needed. He, in his grace, he said, I'm going to add 20% to it. So that's why I have Bible to tell you right now, if you've really messed up in the past, confess and get right with God now. Now you know what you're supposed to do. Now you're going to have, be held accountable for it. Are you here? 
and just say, thank God for your grace that you paid for even that. You took care of more than you really needed to. That's like when you first come before the Lord, you say, God, there's no way I can repent of everything. I've done so much. If I were to write down everything I did and say it, speak it out to God, say, God, forgive me this, 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 I'd be there forever. Thank God you don't have to do that. Thank God you say, I repent of my bad thoughts, bad words, and bad deeds, boom, turn the blood, and go on and live for God. I'm talking to somebody. Somebody say, oh, that hurts. You know what? No, I, I'll tell you what. This church is a wonderful church because the most of you, you live by the Word of God and you obey the Word of God. So don't get the impression that I'm preaching to everybody here today because I'm not. This is the minority I'm talking to right now. Hallelujah. And it don't matter the sex. <laughs> you know, if you're a man, you go have a sex change. doesn't matter. You're still going to have to be responsible for it. You know, some men think, well, women don't have to do this. Uh, come on. Well, women don't. No, not men. Women. Women. Well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to give. I don't have to pay my tithes. I don't have to give my arms because I'm a woman. You think I'm crazy. I'm not. Are you here? So maybe some men go out and do, give sex, get, get sex changes just so they don't have to be responsible to God. That's not true, man. <laughs> now I'm a, a shim. So the Word of God's not for me in any area. He talks to he's and she's, but he don't talk to shims. No, it's for you. You're a soul. Somebody say, I'm a soul. <laughs> see, God knew. See, God knew. He said, when a soul sins, so a man, man, woman, whatever you want to call yourself, shim, sham. It's all for you. You're, you're just not off the hook. Amen. See, God, God asks for restitution when he transgresses against him. Amen. <clears throat> then in chapter 6, or let us read on verse 17. And if a soul sin, commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet, it is, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. Do you know that you can sin against God and not even know that you're sinning against God? And because, listen, you can say, well, I didn't have a knowledge of what I was doing, that it was wrong, it's still sin. God still marked it down as sin. So ignorance isn't bliss. When you get before the throne of God, you say, well, God, I just didn't know that. God says it's still sin. Are you here? Come on, somebody. There's a lot of people say, well, I didn't know. It doesn't make any difference. God says it's still sin. And when you find out that it's sin, it's time we start calling sin, sin. And quit making excuses. But I didn't know it was sin. Well, when you find out that it's sin, it was sin still. It was marked down in the book as sin. When you find it out, then you got to go confess it and get right and do some changing and do some repenting and get, do some restitution. Woo, I feel good. I feel good. You know what? If you sit there and you cross your arms, get puffed up at me, it makes me feel better. You know why? Because I know God's got you on a hot plate right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't, don't, make, don't, don't think that I'm going to tone my preaching down if you do this kind of stuff. I'm getting excited, man. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, God, you're moving. You're talking. 
he said this, all right, if you break the law ignorantly, not willful, defiant, rebellion. Oh, goodness. Now, listen, listen very carefully to me. Listen very carefully to me. There are things that you are doing in your life, possibly things I'm doing in my life right now that I don't realize that are wrong. Are you here? But once I find out God's word on that area of my life, I can rebel against it. And when you rebel against the known will of God, you're in dangerous territory. Listen, the person sitting next to you can do the very same thing. Are you here? And because they're not in rebellion, but because they may be innocent or just careless or don't see the importance of something, they're not in trouble with God. But the other person sitting right there knows what they're doing is wrong and they are rebelling against the word of the Lord. They are in trouble with God. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Come on, somebody say amen. See, the Spirit of the Lord rises up with me in compassion with, with especially new people concerning the areas of their life. You know why? Because they don't realize what they're doing is wrong. So I'm trying to help them like children along, you know, to help them understand and grow in the Lord. But you, listen, I don't care if you're new or old. If you get a rebellious spirit towards the Word of God, I can pick that up. And I know that sometimes you do things just despite the Word of God and just despite the preacher and just despite the house. If you do that, you're in trouble. Somebody say amen. There's a big difference. Are you here? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, praise the Lord. How y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Okay. Chapter 6. Now we're going to talk about people's property. Still bring a ram as a sacrifice. Damage, uh, damage for the sin, the trespass. You've got to bring restitution for it. Okay? So first of all, how can you trespass against an individual? Lying to them. If you lied to somebody, you had to bring sacrifice before God in the Old Testament. But bro, it was just a little white lie. This philosophy of black and white stuff. Lies a lie. Are you here? Guy working on my air conditioner said, Hey, I want you, why don't you just go out there and get the part and, and uh, put it on yourself and I won't charge you and uh, just tell them that, that I put it on. I said, I can't do that. Why? Because I got a conscience. I'm accountable to God. You come and put it on and I don't care if you have to charge me, but I'm going to stay right with God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Do you know there's been times in my life that being honest with God costs me money? It costs me money. And my, my, this lady that figures my taxes says, well, what? they don't know about it. Don't even, don't even show it on the report. I said, I can't do that. Why can't you? They don't know about it. I can't do that. God knows about it. And I had to come up with $900, which I didn't have. I was poor as a church mouse. I didn't have it, but I paid it because I wanted to be right with God. And they're telling me, don't, don't report it. That's a lie, church. It's a lie. You lie on your income tax, that's a lie. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, my, y'all shouldn't have come to church this morning. 
I mean, you should have waited till I was preaching on another subject. But notice what he says. Verse 2, if a soul sin, commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor. So you, you've lied against God and the neighbor. And that which was delivered him to keep or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence. You robbed it, stole it, whatever, lied about it. Or hath deceived his neighbor. Uh-oh. Defrauding them. Misrepresenting something. Uh-oh. Everybody look at me real pretty tonight, today, this morning. You misrepresent something to somebody, you're lying to them. Are you here? Somebody say hallelujah. You didn't know God really worried about these things, did you? <laughs> or have found that which was lost and lieth concerning it, or swear falsely. You get in perjury, so you can commit fraud. You can suppress truth. You can lie about truth. You can lie to people and everything else. You can misrepresent things. And you can sit in a court of law and lie in court before the judge. But you've lied before God. You've lied to God and you've lied to men. Ananias and Sapphira were killed in church because they lied to God and they lied to men. That's serious stuff with God. You know what? You need to, we need to thank God that we're not in that early church. Because that early church was so holy and so powerful. You, you lied against God and you died in that place. You better thank God the church isn't really where it needs to be right now. Because when the church gets where it really needs to be right now, there's going to be people that are going to die. Are you here? I didn't know God was like that. Hey, he's a holy God. Hey, you don't play games with God. You don't walk in the Holy Assembly of God with all kinds of sin in your life and speak in tongues and worship that strange fire. You don't go out there and live like the devil and come to church and say, Hallelujah, bless the name of the Lord. I'm as good as you are and God loves me. Yeah, he does. But you got to get right with God. Yeah, you can go to a lot of churches out there. You can sin, live in sin, no problem. They're not going to preach against it. But they're going to be lost, and everybody that's there is going to be lost if they don't repent and get right with God. Are you here? Okay. Then the Bible says, verse 4, Then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore. Say restore. That which he took bodily away, or the thing which he had deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered to him to keep, or the lost thing which he found. Or all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle and shall add the fifth part more thereto and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. So you're going to bring his offering. He's going to bring the restoration. He's going to restore what was stolen or lost or lied about, whatever. And then he's going to say, I'm going to give you even 20 more percent. So that, that when you bring your sacrifice, God is saying, don't just get right with me, get right with your neighbor. Are you here? Some preachers need to hear this message. <laughs> Why y'all looking at me like that for? <laughs> huh? I'm blunt. I'm in front. Oh. <laughs> you humble me, sister. Because <laughs> I'm in front. That's the first one I've ever heard that. I'm not that really that funny looking, I don't think. This family's always giving me revelations. 
I asked Michael, you know, he brought up uh, ice cream, fried ice cream last week. And that, I said, I don't want none of that fried ice cream stuff. That's weird stuff, man. <laughs> and, you know, I thought they cooked it. And then I got, he gave me understanding. He said, no. He said, they just cooked the cone and they pour the ice cream, pour hot stuff on top of it. That's fried ice cream. I said, thank you <laughs> for explaining yourself. Amen. But anyway, the Bible tells us this, restitution, 20, 20% plus the fifth part. You know what? If you do something wrong with your neighbor, you don't just restore back to the neighbor, but you say, hey, I'm going to give you a little more. I want to make restitution. I want to get things right. <clears throat> Very quickly, just give you a few other reasons why you uh, bring the ram, the sacrifice, take care of that which... Uh, the amended hurt, and then also add 20 to it. Rape, the rape of a dropped slave. Leviticus 19, 20 through 22. The rape of a betrothed slave. If she's betrothed, but she actually ha hasn't been, the marriage hasn't been consummated, but there's a rape that takes place during that betrothal period, and that man is to come back, make restitution, bring the ram for sacrifice, trespass against her, bring the ram to atone for the sin, Make restitution financially. 20%. Are you here? You know, if our government and our, our laws were set up this way, all these people that are in jails, if they had to pay fines to the people that they harmed, it'd be a lot better place. And there's some judges that do that. It's called punitive damage. And they'll award certain people certain things be just because of that. Restitution. Are you here? <clears throat> How many of y'all believe that God's house is a holy place? Well, we, you know what? He's the judge of all the earth. Man, you walk in the courtroom and the judge, a human man sitting on, the, on, that, on that deal, whatever he's sitting on. And everybody goes, oh, wow, respect and awe and reverence and stand when he stands and, you know, all this stuff. And what he says, that's it, bud, that's it. You come in the place where the holy one's on the throne. I'm not, I'm not him. God is. You come in and you stand before him. You've got to go by his judgments. You've got to listen to him. You've got to honor him. Are you here? You know why Israel didn't have to go to court and sue each other? Because God had put in His Word a plan by which they didn't have to go sue each other. Because if they wronged each other, God said, make restitution with 20% more. Takes care of it. Boom. And God tells the church, don't sue each other in the church. We're supposed to be able to handle things ourselves. We're in the highest. We are part of the highest body in the earth. Well, you don't understand the highness of the church. You don't understand the government of the church. You don't understand that. We come in the church and we look, we think it's, you know, here's the court of law we have. It's up here and the church is here. No. Come on, somebody. People in the church will listen to a judge before they'll listen to somebody in the house of God that's got some wisdom in the noise of the word of God. And then say, well, where do they get off? Somebody say, praise the Lord. It's in the Word. Another thing, purification of a leopard, Leviticus 14, 12. Leopard in purifying, bring the trespass offering, the ram. Okay. Nazarite that had been polluted, number 6, verse 12. Issues from men and women, Leviticus 15. All right. Issues from men and women. Y'all read that. It's self-explanatory. All right. I'm going to say praise the Lord. Uh, after a child was born to a woman, she had to bring a sin offering. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6. Okay? 
So those are the trespass offerings, and that's why they were given. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad today that the Lord paid the price? He made restitution. He went beyond that which was needed and took care of it. And if I'm wrong, I've got some stuff in my life that's wrong. I need to put it under the blood. I need to make restitution, get right with my fellow man, and get right with God. Hallelujah. Hmm. One last quick thing, and we're going to close. Verse 25, chapter 6, the sin offering, the law concerning the sin offering. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. So you're living in a better time than they were living. Uh, Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 25. Speak unto Aaron to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. Say, most holy. Most holy. The priest that offereth it for sin shall eat it. Now, why is the priest going to eat this sin offering? Because it is a type of Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. He has identified himself with us in our sin. He took our sin upon him on the cross. So that when the priest is eating this, he's identifying himself with a sin offering. Alright? Now listen. The priest could not atone himself for the sins of the people. So only as a type... Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for sin. He died for you and me and for our sin. Okay? He identified himself with us. Now, what do I have to do then? I have to identify myself with the sin offering. I have to become a partaker of the sin offering. I just can't stand back and say, look, there's Jesus dying on the cross. You have got to partake of it. You have got to appropriate it to your lives. Uh, hey, Jesus hanging on the cross shedding his blood does you absolutely no good until you apply it to your life. And so the priest was told by God, eat the sin offering. Identify yourself with it. Partake of it. Appropriate it to you. So now how do I do that? I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting here right now. Y'all didn't bring no sin offerings today and I'm not sitting here eating them. Well, New Testament says repent. It says be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Not the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the plan of salvation. That is the new birth. You have taken the name of your sacrifice. The Father didn't die. The Holy Ghost didn't die. The Son died. And what is His name? So then in order for you to appropriate and apply and partake of what He did on the cross by shedding His blood, the blood is in His name. Acts 5.28 tells you the blood is in the name. And if you don't have the name, you don't have the blood. So that when I went down to water in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood was applied to me. I appropriated. I identified myself with my sin bearer. I took his name. He's my sacrifice. I took the name of the sacrifice. My goodness, how can you go to sleep?
Have you, Sister Grace, you don't understand why? You know that people can sleep with their eyes open too. I mean, don't, don't turn around and look around and see people got their eyes closed. They don't have them, I'll tell you that. They can sleep with their eyes open. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you something you better get a hold of. I, because this right here is the it. This is the word of the Lord. We got to really get on it. We really got to receive this. We got to hear it. They could have said, well, I don't really need to bring a sin offering. Yeah. You know what? Let me explain something to you. The sweet savor offerings were voluntary. But the non-sweet savor offerings were not voluntary. They were mandatory. They had to bring them or be lost. And what I am preaching you today, you must obey it or you will be lost. It's not a take it or leave it thing. Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Literally in the Greek, he ordered them, military term. Praise the Lord. And then the Bible says that they will take that earthen vessel wherein it was sodden. They shall, it shall be broken. If it's sodden in a brass pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed with water. Why? Because he's showing you that the work of Jesus Christ was awesome. What he did for us was awesome, church. It was a powerful thing that he did. It was a pure thing that he did. It was a holy thing that he did. But you see, today people walk under the blood. They walk on the blood. They walk on the blood. It was a holy thing, church. Somebody say amen. So that today, and I'm going to close. Everybody pull out your watches and look and see what time it is. You know how I love watches. They're almost an abomination to me. They're not an abomination to God, I know, but they're almost to me. And when you see me with one on, you know, don't say, well, he's a hypocrite, but... I haven't been that long, but let me just help you. You didn't have to bring a sin offering today. You didn't have to bring a trespass offering today. You didn't have to bring a literal uh, burnt sacrifice today. You didn't have to bring a cereal offering today. You didn't have to bring a peace offering today. They were all fulfilled in his life and in his death. He was completely devoted, sweet savor. He died for my sin, for God, and for me, non-sweet savor. So that I don't have to bring any of those blood sacrifices. He is the fulfillment of all the types and shadows. We're living in a glorious time. All I have to do is what? Listen, this isn't even an altar. You know why? Because he is my altar. You can lay over a pew or lay over this right here. That's not your altar. You can build you a little altar at home and bow down to it. That's not your altar. Jesus Christ is your altar. So that when I come and I bow my knee to Him, I'm bowing my knee to the altar, Jesus Christ. And all He requires of me right now is to genuinely repent and confess my sin. That means that if, if I was in fellowship, but now I'm out of fellowship, I need to get right. I need to confess. I need to repent. I need to restore. Get restored. I need to get back in fellowship with Him. I'm out of fellowship with Him. 
And then if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do that and have all your sins washed away. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You get to. Amen? But what if you've already repented of your sin, been baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Then you just have to do the first thing. Just confess your sin and put it under the blood. Because John says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that I don't have to get baptized again and again and again and again. I just have to genuinely say, I did wrong. I'm going to change by your help and power. I don't want to do it again, God. And then you're in fellowship. Say, in fellowship. That takes care of the fellowship situation. Very easy. Very, somebody say easy. It's easy to get saved. Easy. Just obey in belief. But then the Bible says, in fellowship. Now, what do I do now after I get in fellowship? Because I don't bring sacrifices, uh, you know, cereal offerings and burnt sacrifice and uh, peace offerings. I don't do that now, do I? As far as blood sacrifices and grains and stuff? No. So what do I do? Well, read the, read, the, read the epistles written to the church. They tell you how to live once you get in the kingdom. Come on, somebody has nothing to do with working for your salvation. You're already saved. It's how to live at once you're saved. It's in fellowship. And the sacrifices you make in fellowship. Read the last part. Read Hebrews 13. He sums it all up. And he tells you, well, we don't have to bring those sacrifices to the Old Testament. But here's the sacrifice of the New Testament. The fruit of our lips offering thanks unto his name. That's a sacrifice. Do good to one another. That's a spiritual sacrifice. Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with, uh, with joy and not with grief. Uh, that's a spiritual sacrifice that you bring. It's a sacrifice to do that. But with it, God is well pleased. Amen? I just wrote a few things down. Let me, let me read them to you. Obey His Word. Hallelujah. Obey His Word. Somebody say Amen. Whether you're Old Testament or New Testament, or law or grace, you still got to obey the Word. Amen? Live holy. Be ye holy. For I am holy, or as I am holy. Come on, somebody. You know what that means? Separated to Him. But not just separated to Him, separated from blemishes, separated from darkness, separated from sin. A lot of preachers will say, well, all you got to do is just be dedicated to Him. No, holiness is more than just being dedicated to Him or being set apart for His purpose. Holiness is living separate from sin. But I'm having a hard time doing that. Well, you know what? God says be holy, but then He says not like the law. The law didn't give you the power to do it. But he says, now I'm going to come on the inside of you. I'm going to feed you with my spirit. I'm going to give you the want to, the desire to do my commandments, to obey my law, so that it's an inward motivation and not an outward motivation. When you get the Spirit of God in you, you want to do what's right. You want to serve Him. You want to live for the Lord. You want to be holy. 
It's because something happened to you on the inside of you. So that, you, that your want to has been changed. And not only that, not only do you have the want to, but he gives you the power to do it. The Bible says it's, it's his good pleasure both to will and to do. I might get that flipped around, but whatever, will to do. That's Will to do means he gives you the will or the want to, and then he gives you the power to do it, and it's on the inside of you, Philippians says. Come on, anybody here? We're living in a better day. That's why when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you feel so bad because the Holy Spirit is grieved. Uh, he's convicting you because you're not where you want and need to be. Serve Him. That's what the Bible says. Serve Him. Serve Him with all of your living. But I've never done that. I haven't. But it doesn't give me an excuse to not want to and, and to try. Serve Him with all your living. Serve Him with all your giving. Live for the Lord. Come into His house and worship Him. Love your neighbor. Which covers it. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal. You're not going to kill. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to burn their house down. You're not going to take their dog. And I definitely don't want Billy Lloyd's dog. Thank God he don't have that dog no more. Last week I went to his house. That dog almost took, a, took my arm off my, my body. <laughs> you owe me restitution, brother. <laughs> no, no. I need two arms. <laughs> See, if you love your neighbor, you're going to take care. You're going to help your neighbor. You're not going to sin against your neighbor. God said, love your neighbor, love God. You love your neighbor, you love God. You take care of it. Are you here? Praise the Lord. And the last thing I have down here in the New Testament dispensation of grace is this. The work of Christ is no license to sin. When Jesus hung on the cross, he paid an awesome price for you and me. How can I sin against such love? And then boast about it and brag about it. Sin, or his work is not a license for me to sin. It is freedom for me to serve. Are you here? Yeah, we get to live for Him. We get to serve Him. Not we have to. Man, if it's a have to, you got it all messed up. You get to. And even in our time, if we sin, you can stand. Even in our time, if you sin, you still have a moral obligation to make restitution to your neighbor and to God. Amen. You want to be victorious? How many of y'all want to be victorious? Man, I feel a long-winded spirit, man. But I'm, I'm about to let you go. You know what? No, let me just share this with you before I let you go. It's not hard to live for God. Do you know that? It's not hard to live for God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor, the way of the transgressor is hard. People that are in the church are having a hard time living for God. It's because, that's right, they're living easy for God.
If you give your all, if you serve Him with all your heart, and when you fall, get back up and say, help me, Lord, forgive me. And He forgives you and restores you and keeps you going. And you do, it, do everything you can in your power to live and serve Him and please Him. You know what? It won't be hard to live for God. There's new people in this church. They've been here for a few years. And I look at them, and I don't see them struggling all the time with their walk with God. I don't see them all. They're not calling me all the time with some major spiritual problem in their lives or in their home. You know why? Because they live for God. And if you'll live for God every day of your life, it'll be easy. But if you try to live for God only when you get in a mess and only when you have a problem and you come running to the church and running to God, no wonder you got so many troubles in your life. See, if we'll just do it His way, it's easy. But when we resist and kick and fight against it, that's when we have a hard time living for the Lord. Let's praise Him. Lord, we worship You right now. I thank You that You've helped me today. I thank You, Lord, that in this dispensation called grace, that God, that You are able to forgive sin that was not even... Not even could be justified in the Old Testament. I thank you that you have made restitution. You've even gone beyond that which was required for us. Lord, we recognize that and we thank you today for fellowship. I pray, God, for myself and for any person here today. Lord, if any of us need to come back in fellowship and get our fellowship back in line, let us come and repent and res- Ask for forgiveness, and we know that you're going to forgive, and you know, God, that you're going to be gracious to us. You don't turn us away and cast us out. So we come before you, Lord, and confessing our sins and need of forgiveness, need of your love and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you are gracious to us, that you have forgiven us today. And, Lord Jesus, that you'll give us the power and the strength to live a dedicated, committed life for you. And in doing so... We shall have the natural fruit of victory in our lives. We will have the joy of the Lord. We will have the strength of God. We will have what we need. Lord, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Let us not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this assembly. I thank you for your people. God, as we are growing together in the things of God and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, just take us up into higher heights, God, in you. Let us serve you, Lord, with a more dedicated and committed life and heart. God, we've learned some things today. Our responsibility, our restitution. And we thank you today that you've showed unto us in your word that we might be the people called by your name. Holiness unto the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of y'all, when y'all really, really, really just started living, really, really living for God, it got easier? And you notice it just, it seemed like it just automatic. It just came. 
man, that's what it's all about. When you were, you were struggling, you know, you were just kind of, God was on the back burner. Man, God doesn't want us to live defeated lives. He wants us to live victorious lives. <laughs> and, and, and the potential that you have, some of y'all have so much potential, and you're not even scratching the surface. God wants to do awesome things in your life and in your family. He wants to give you a life and that more abundantly. He wants to give you strength and power that when you do obey Him, you just throw your hands up and say, Thank you, Lord, for the ability and the equipping to do so. God bless you. Remember, 5 o'clock tonight, the New Life class. With Obed's teaching this class, it's on uh, seven men, seven kinds of men, and two natures. Seven kinds of men and two natures. If you'll come to this class, it'll help you in your spiritual growth. If you've never gone through it before, give you understanding about yourself as a person, about where you are in God, in the Spirit. Seven kinds of men and two natures. You'll find yourself in that study, I guarantee you. You have to. Okay? Are you getting into spiritual warfare tonight too? Okay, he's finished the second half of the first lesson. Okay, he's going to be dealing with then uh, your enemies, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Okay, so praise the Lord for that. God bless y'all. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. And the Lord loves you.